to Podiatry Today's Wound Care Q&A, our long-standing and well-read column that addresses timely topics in lower extremity wound care with leaders in the field. Today we are hosting this column in a new format through Podiatry Today podcasts, and we are thrilled to have Dr. Kazu Suzuki with us today. Dr. Suzuki is the clinical editor of the Wound Care Q&A and the medical director of Apex Wound Care Clinic in Los Angeles. He is also a member of the attending staff of Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles. For this installment, Dr. Suzuki shares with us some key considerations and tips from his experience on collaborating successfully with our colleagues in vascular surgery. I always work with the vascular surgeons. I started going to their conferences. I got to know the attendings, residents, and fellows. I'm doing definitely a lot more closer collaboration with the vascular surgery colleagues. Uh, because I do limb preservation and they do limb preservations. And I think you know, that's only a good thing for us to collaborate. And I do encourage people across the nation, people across the world to do more collaboration between podiatry and vascular surgery, because uh, we have a lot to give to each other, a lot to support each other. And there's only good things could come out from collaborating with other specialties. That's so true. Let's talk a little bit more about that. In your practice, can you tell us a little bit about what that initial referral to vascular looks like? I know it may vary from community to community, but what has been successful for you? Are you initiating non-invasive testing in the beginning and then referring to vascular or are you bringing them in right away? Actually, it's, it goes both ways. Uh, oftentimes, we have the same patients under our watch. It's almost like catch ball. Uh, they have, they see, because it depends who sees first, right? So let's say a person has a wound. It's not healing. So sometimes they go to vascular surgeons first, and they say, okay, your blood flow is okay, or your blood flow is bad. Let's fix it. And, okay, I don't know what to do with wounds. Go see Dr. Suzuki. I see cases like that. Uh, on the other hand, I see a new patient with the wounds not healing, but they're doing everything right. But guess what? Uh, their blood flow is bad. I have an ABI machine in the office. And I can check their ABI in two minutes. And if it looks bad, I'll send it to my vascular surgeon colleagues. Um, I also see lots of lots of lots of venous leg ulcer. Actually, more than half is probably venous leg ulcer disease or vein disease that's of some sort, which I don't do. So I ended up referring them to vascular specialties. So it's, I, I call it catch ball. It's, I, I send them a ball and they give me the ball back. Yeah, so we play that kind of, it's, it's, and it's a collaboration too. I email them, text them all the time, every, every single day. Uh, uh, we, we're texting each other, collaborating with each other. And only, only good things will come out. There's, I said, don't be shy. If anybody's listening out there, don't be shy. Reach out. They want to reach out to you and make that first uh, initiation. Reach out to them. Hey, I got this patient. Can you help me? Or, hey, how's that you know, Mr. So-and-so doing? The communication is, is a wonderful thing with other specialties. Yeah, that relationship can be so beneficial, both for your practice and for the patients as well. What do you find is, has been successful for you for those patients where we know that the ABI can be unreliable, especially in patients with diabetes? Are there any other tests that you might initiate or that your vascular colleagues 
prefer you initiate um, for patients where that ABA, ABI may not tell the whole story or who you may suspect have microvascular complications? Yeah, so we have, a, we have this machine that checks ABI and also pulse wave uh, recordings PVR, right? So that's actually good enough for the screening purpose and it takes me two minutes to do. I used to have SPP machine, skin perfusion pressure machine office. I published on it. I lectured on it uh, internationally. The problem is the company went out of business during COVID. And I presume I was told they're coming back, uh, but they're not available now. So I'm not talking about it now. But ABI, and uh, if you have an ABI machine, it should show you the pulse wave. So that's really actually really good enough to say, hey, this person has a vascular disease, or they don't. Uh, more so than the physical exam. And uh, even again, even have a low index of suspicion. If you, if you believe this person has vein disease, if this person has arterial disease, if you suspect it, just send them out, send them out, send them out to referral for vascular specialties because they have their own vascular technicians with their, you know, very expensive and sophisticated Doppler machine. And they can tell you, hey, hey, you know, this guy's not too bad. Or they might say, hey, you know, this guy had a terrible vascular disease and we did an angiogram next day. Thank you so much for sending this patient. So again, only good things will come out from making referrals and making contacts with the vascular specialty colleagues. It's, you know, absolutely. I think very few people would say they regret making such a referral. It's certainly usually the other way around. If you're in inpatient, if you're dealing with an inpatient who needs revascularization and you're also waiting to take your turn to um, you know, help this patient through debridement, et cetera. How long after that vascular intervention do you find you usually need to wait before you can get in there and debride, assuming that we don't have any you know, limb-threatening infection that takes precedence at this point? Um, I usually don't wait that much. So well, number one, the hospital doesn't want you to sit on your hands too long. <laughs> The hospital always wants you to uh, treat the patient and get them out of the uh, out of house, which is understandable because our hospitals are always over capacity. So that's one thing. Uh, another thing is there's another concept of you know strike the iron when it's hot. If the patient's blood flow is fixed, uh, let it be by bypass or angioplasty, doesn't matter. When the blood flow is good, you wanna take care of it right away. Um, so usually day after, usually day after the bypass, day after angioplasty, we do something about it, let it be debridement or amputation or skin grafting. That's usually what we do, even though there, there is a, some arguments to be made. There's some literature that, hey, you might wanna wait 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours to let the blood flow come back. Uh, there's that concept there, but it may not be practical. Uh, we usually try to intervene as soon as we can. And there's another component of it is I've seen so many cases where a patient comes in with a black toe, the classical dry gangrene black toe. Let's say this person's big toe is completely black and dead and dry. Okay, so he needs angioplasty. So he gets angioplasty and send the patients home. And the patients come back two days later, that dry black toe turned into wet gangrene and came right back to the hospital two days later. We see a lot of that. 
not to anybody's fault, but it, it, we see that all the time. So that goes to show you that one thing I learned over the years is the ischemic limb doesn't get infected very much because it actually takes blood flow, oxygen, and nutrients for the bacteria to thrive. So the dry, well, quote unquote, dry ischemic limb doesn't get grossly infected almost never. On the other hand, when you increase the blood flow all of a sudden, the infection can blow up. So again, that's probably yet another argument for intervening as fast as possible, at least next day or the day after the intervention, the vascular intervention. That is, that is my philosophy. That's how I practice. After the patient has had their revascularization and they've had your intervention as well, and hopefully that patient is discharged home with no uh, incidents and they're following up in that wound care clinic, how do you collaborate with vascular in the post-operative period or in that follow-up period where you're trying to keep them in ulcer remission? So I kind of have protocol in my head in that I kind of risk stratify the patients in terms of limb at risk limb in the high risk, moderate risk, low risk, right? So if the patient's low risk, I see them every two months for follow-up. Uh, two, three months even. Um, if they have no problem whatsoever, okay, so young diabetic guy, 50-year-old, just diagnosed with diabetes, I might see them twice a year. I think that's the American Diabetes Association recommendation. The more at-risk patients who had a foot ulcer before, I probably want to see him every two months. Then there's a really high-risk patient who gets also left and right. Uh, patients like that, I might see them more often, let's say like, a, I don't know, every four weeks or every two months or, or every week when they have active ulcers. So I kind of risk stratify in my head and work with a particular patient. And they usually, when the patient realize their limb loss is at stake, they're usually pretty good about uh, coming to see me uh, in the regular intervals. The vascular guys, they usually have their own schedule in that after they do interventions, they, I think, I think every surgeons may defer, but they usually have their own schedule and say, hey, come back in four weeks for Doppler. And then if it looks good, three months, then six months, and six months thereafter. They usually have that kind of schedule. That may be actually in the literature already. So they usually have their own schedule to bring the patients back for Doppler exam. So as long as they plug into that system, I'm comfortable with that. And again, uh, communicate and collaborate. I'm always on texts and emails and sending pictures to my vascular colleagues. And they text me back saying, hey, you know, I got this patient who just had a ulcer. Can you see this patient? I, of course, bring them over. So we, we always texting and communicating with each other. So, you know, keep your communication lines open. Tell them, give them your personal cell number. I don't care. Text me anytime. Uh, give them your email. You know, just make sure that you're you're accessible is will be my advice to everybody. Thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your experience and insights with us. We look forward to future wound care Q&As and other episodes of Podiatry Today podcasts, which you can find on podiatrytoday.com, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, and more of your favorite podcast platforms.